Girlfriends, episode number 78, Knowing God's Love with Sister Miriam James. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're celebrating the birth of our nation and talking about knowing just how much Jesus loves you with Sister Miriam James. I can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Glad you're here. Happy 4th of July. I'm recording this before the 4th of July, but pretty close. And it's going to publish on the 4th of July, so you're either on the day or sometime after it. I hope you'll listen sometime after it because I hope your 4th of July, you have some plans with your friends, with your family, something fun. I actually really love the 4th of July. I, I, I have this this fondness for secular holidays because I sometimes feel like there's less pressure to do them right. <laughs> you know, like doing Easter and Christmas right. Like I, there's a lot riding on those things in your family life, but stuff like 4th of July, you can just have fun. You can have a picnic. You can go to a parade. You can have people over, have a barbecue, whatever. Um, in our little town, there's a road race every 4th of July. Um, and it's been going on for many years. And uh, some of my kids and I participate in it usually. This year, I'm not going to participate in it because I'm a little bit more focused on um, Dan, my husband Dan's business that he's opening. I think I, I mentioned it in last week's episode, or the one before, that um, he's opening an escape room. And if you don't know what that is, you can Google it and find out more. It's not a scary thing like it sounds. Some people, when they don't know what they are, think it's like like a safe room or something like that, where you go if there's a bomb threat or something like that. It's not that. Um, it's actually like an interactive entertainment where you go with a group of your friends, or a lot of times companies will have their employees do this as sort of a team-building exercise. Um, and you get, you know, fake-locked in a room for 60 minutes and there are clues you need to find, puzzles to solve to escape the room, get out of the room. It's pretty creative and it's fun. I'm really excited about Dan taking on this new little venture. He's been planning it for a while and he finally found the right place um, in a town right close to us. And so he's going to be opening it um, July 8th and I'm pretty excited about it. We've been working hard behind the scenes and I'm looking forward to it um, finally being open and um, people starting to enjoy some of the hard work that Dan's been putting into it. But anyway, we're going to march in two different parades, me, the kids, some of the kids um, on bikes and whatnot, dressed up all patriotic um, to advertise the business. We have a banner and we're going to be giving out some candy with some flyers and it's kind of a nice free way to get some advertising right before we open up. So it'll be fun. I've never, I don't think I've ever marched in a 4th of July parade, but I'm a big fan of parades. Tell me this, do you cry at parades? I always cry at parades and not, I mean, not even just during, you know, the time when the flag goes by or, you know, veteran soldiers are marching by. I always cry at that stuff for sure. But, um, even just like the, I, I guess it's the tradition of it that really gets me kind of choked up and remembering my own childhood and how important it was to me to go to the parade and the idea of being an American and how, um, my, you know, my parents raised me to be truly patriotic in that I am really proud to be an American. And, um, and those, those moments where we kind of take a pause as a nation to recognize the blessings that we have. Uh, you know, all of that kind of comes into play, I think, at parades. I always wear sunglasses because I always cry. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to cry in this one because I'm going to be in it, probably. Uh, I'll let you know. Anyway, yeah, I hope you have a parade today and um, that you're going to enjoy some of that kind of festivity over the weekend. Um, I'm coming back off of a wild week in Boston where uh, Rachel Balducci and Carolee McGrath and I, we recorded our show, The Gist, the talk show on Catholic TV. You can check it out at catholictv.com forward slash The Gist. You can see all the episodes from previous seasons. We're in our seventh season. We just recorded our seventh season. That's what I spent last week doing in Boston. And um, some fun time to hang out, especially with Rachel, who's my good friend um, in our downtime. But exhausting week, for sure. We, we are very, very productive, but 
even if you're just sitting in a chair talking, which is what this show is, that's exhausting, <laughs> I think. And, you know, I, I, one of the days we recorded these special segments that they, they kind of ask us some fun questions, put us on the spot and kind of, you know, we have to answer quickly, you know, questions that we're not anticipating and makes for some funny answers sometimes. And, you know, they kind of just put those together in little bits at the end of the shows for a little bit of something different or fun. And anyway, they were prepping for this, you know, me for this, it was my turn. And I'm like sitting in this tall chair and this gigantic camera was like right in front of my face. They use a different camera for this with a microphone right there and there were lights and they had mirrors to reflect the lights and they, they had this giant silver screen thing to like bounce the light in the right way off of one side of my face and I was just like, I was so amused sitting there <laughs> while they're all fussing all around me because this is not my life and it was just, it was so funny to me like how um, unnerving it can be to just stare into a camera. Um, I, for the most part, when we're doing the shows, I'm, I'm not nervous about doing the shows. I certainly was our first season. And if you go back and watch that first season, you can have a good laugh at just how nervous <laughs> I was and how, I don't know, sometimes there's awkwardness and whatever. Anyway, I, I've gotten better about not being nervous in the shows, but I was like, this is kind of intimidating. <laughs> you know, I did, um, what, I talked to you guys about, about de-stressing. I did some of those deep breaths, deep breathing exercises like, okay, this camera is not scary. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not going to say anything stupid in the next 15 minutes here. And anyway, it all went well. I just found that was amusing. And it, it's so funny to spend a week where I am so focused on my appearance in a way that I am not usually, you know, um, it, it, it it's not in a vain way. It really is just like, I have to be ready to be on camera. So wearing a lot more makeup than I usually wear and spending a lot more time on my hair and, you know, fussing about what I'm going to wear and how it looks and all that. It's all part of making TV, even in the small way that I do it. So anyway, I, I found that really kind of, it's, it's a, departure from my usual life. <laughs> Let's say that. And, um, I enjoyed it and I, I did not enjoy being away from my family for that long. Oh my gosh. I, I woke up some of the nights and just, it was so, just was sad to be away from my family and just really missing them. And it's really hard for me to be away from them for that long. And I don't usually go away for that long. So a little bit difficult and, um, but that's behind us now and happy 4th of July. Okay. So this week I've got another interview for you and it's with the awesome sister Miriam James. And if you don't know her, you're going to love getting to know her. I'm not going to give you an introduction here because there's a little bit of an introduction in the interview segment. So let's just go ahead and take a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Girlfriends interview. Today, I am so honored and happy to have a special guest joining us here at Girlfriends. Sister Miriam James is joining us. Now, Sister Miriam, upon graduation from college, joined the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, a missionary community that serves global areas of deepest apostolic need. Sister Miriam has served at various Salt? Do I say salt or S-O-L-T? You do, yeah. <laughs> salt. Okay. So let me just, I'll just repeat that sentence. Sister Miriam has served at various salt missions, including Rome, Seattle, and Texas. In addition to speaking, her apostolates have included working with elementary school students, parish ministry, coaching high school volleyball, and co-hosting a Catholic radio program. She holds a master's degree in theology from the Augustine Institute, and she is author of the book, Loved As I Am, from Ave Maria Press. Welcome, Sister Miriam. I'm so happy you're here with me. Thank you. What an honor to be with you today. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard you speak years ago at a conference, maybe two or three years at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that point, I remembered I looked you up on Twitter, like as you were speaking. And then I saw that your, <laughs> your handle on Twitter is one groovy nun. And I was hooked. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is a woman <laughs> who speaks right to my heart. So maybe just to get us started, you can share with us a little bit about your background. You know, I think we tend to think that religious sisters are born in little tiny habits and that they're always nuns, but <laughs> we also know that's not the case. So what was your story before answering a call to the religious life? Oh, yes. I, I think that's a common misconception, isn't it? I, I love, <laughs> one of the things I love about being Catholic is just the rich tapestry of the saints, mm -hmm. of how God calls 
everybody and everybody's story is different. So everybody has a place in the church. And uh, yes, I grew up Catholic. I grew up out in the Pacific Northwest in the rainy, uh, rainy Northwest. And my parents are just wonderful people. We went to mass every Sunday, but I never fell in love with Christ. I never had a personal encounter with Christ. So I kind of learned Catholicism as a set of rules, more like a set of prohibitions, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I quickly fell in love with sports and boys and that was my life. And when I was, when I was a senior in high school, I signed a full scholarship to play division one volleyball, um, in college. And I, I loved it. I, I just thought, I thought my dreams were going to come true. And so here I was playing volleyball at this uh, university, playing against some of the top teams in the nation at the time. And I had stopped going to church and just, I wasn't going to let anybody tell me what to do. And, I found very quickly that everything that I thought that I wanted didn't give me the satisfaction that I was aching for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, many times I would hit bottom and I would just say, there has got to be more to life than this. And I thought if I was just pretty enough and skinny enough and funny enough and good enough at volleyball and good enough at school, then people wouldn't see the real me because the truth was by the time I was 21, I was already an alcoholic. My life was a mess. I was very promiscuous and I just had a lot of shattered, broken secrets within me that had never been spoken. And mm-hmm. it was really a long um, healing process that really began through the prayers of my mother who was just uh, just beside herself. She didn't know what to do with me. And a priest that God sent into my life. And through the witness of both of them, my life began to change. Wow. And after I graduated from college, I wanted to work for ESPN. And so I knew that to work in media, you have to start at the bottom and kind of work your way up. And so I went back home after graduation from college and I was going to go to work in Portland, Oregon and just try to start at the bottom again. And maybe one day, you know, have a shot at something like that. Um, but before I did that, the priest that mentored me said, why don't you just come down to New Mexico and spend some time at a mission here? And I'm not a mission girl. Like I would have never done that. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. But father was just, he was such a good spiritual father to me. So I did. And it was in that silence that I heard Jesus call me to be his bride. Wow. And, uh, I said, yes. And that was you know, about n- almost 19 years ago now. And it's like, it's been a long road of healing and restoration and hope and joy and freedom and sorrow and suffering and all the ways that God encounters us. And so I, I, I talk about a lot of different topics. I love life and I love different things. But one thing that you'll always hear me talk about is authentic love and healing in Jesus Christ, because that's why I'm here on earth to reveal that message, that love of Christ. Wow. Beautifully said. Beautiful. Um, and now, you know, I mentioned that I heard you speak beautifully about theology of the body in particular and your work as a sister and how theology of the body comes into play in so many of, you know, the different people you encounter in mission work. Um, if, so maybe there's someone listening that is new to theology of the body or like me years ago thinks, oh, that's that weird thing that people talk about. <laughs> you know, those people that go crazy and everything all of a sudden is theology of the body. Um, you know, that was before I took a course in it and learned just how beautiful it was. But maybe, like, what would you say is kind of an intro to those people who, um, to describe what it is you do and how theology of the body is an important part of that? Well, theology of the body was really something that changed my whole life. And I discovered it when I was a novice, when I first entered religious life. And I thought at the beginning, it was just a teaching on, say, sexuality, which I didn't, knowing my own brokenness, I didn't understand how that would relate to me. Uh, But I realized very quickly it had everything to do with me. And very simply, it is a teaching, it's a catechesis on, number one, what it means to be human, and number two, how do we give the gift of ourselves in love? Right. And um, John Paul II wrote it originally in Polish before he became the Holy Father. And then once he became the Holy Father, he he gave a chapter or a, a dissertation, a teaching on that work every Wednesday for years and he got through the whole thing and it starts with Genesis and it talks about original man and, and then the fall of man, the historical man that we live in now and then eschatological man, our call on the future and you know, how do we give the gift of ourselves and love in, in marriage or in the single life or in the vocation of celibacy as religious or priest? And it's just, it was such a beautiful teaching on, on what it means to be male and female. Mm-hmm. It is captivating. It's challenging and it is captivating. And I really do believe it is the answer to the crisis of sexuality that we find ourselves in today. That teaching is going to change the world and it already is. 
Right. I, I so agree. And um, I was thinking that just as you were describing it, like it's the antidote to all the problems of our culture. It just, you know, it's all the things that our culture gets exactly wrong. Our church and mm -hmm. through the beautiful teachings of St. John Paul II gets exactly right. And so that was sort of my experience when I was learning more about it through the course that I took at Theology of the Body Institute was like, oh, oh yes. you know, it's just such an like, such a moment where you're like, yes, that's why that never made sense. Yes, that's how, you know, that's how that works. And that's how it's meant to work. And I feel like there's such potential there. And through your, your sharing and through your speaking and your ministry and the, the media that you share, I think you really do speak to that, that part of every human being, which is like you described earlier, longing for something more, yearning for something more, looking for like, what is the whole purpose, you know? And I think Theology of the Body beautifully answers that. It, it really does. And and we do, we have a longing to be seen, known, loved, a, a longing to pursue and achieve excellence. And, and there's many, the world offers us many variations of how that is supposedly to be achieved, but it's really in Christ who is, the, you know, the man fully alive where he invites us into his own life and he makes us fully alive. And so, you know, the more we get closer to Christ, we don't become truncated or a less version of ourselves. The more we come closer to Christ, the more human and the more luminous we become. Okay. And that's really the whole goal of Christianity is to bring us to life to the full, to bring us like John 10, 10, to bring us to life and life abundantly. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let, tell us a little bit about your book, Loved As I Am from Ave Maria Press. Um, how did that book come to be? Well, I was approached a few years ago by Ave Maria Press and they said, you know, we've heard, we saw some of your YouTube videos and could you just, you know, write us like a, a kind of a summation of what you would talk about. And so I w it was just kind of, I was surprised. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, sure. So I, <laughs> I wrote this chapter and it was, it was more of kind of a catechetical treatise of, of a, like say a talk that I would usually give. And so I wrote it, I wrote a table of contents and just like a, a preliminary chapter and they were very kind and they, they read it and they're like, um, this is great, but, <laughs> but you know, we've seen your YouTube videos and we think you're very funny and very engaging. And could you please bring more of your story into it? Mm -hmm. And that was really uh, challenging for me because I have some very broken parts of my story and I didn't want to present something inauthentic. Uh, so how do you do that? And so really, I felt called to just kind of set it up just like Theology of the Body is set up. And so it's really a, a book, you know, loved as I am, a book of what it means to be human. And it's set up in the beginning, you know, original man, what our call is, historical man, how we find ourselves today in society that's very broken, and then what we're called to. And so it has my story woven through it. It's it's a very honest book of everything talking about finding out when I was adopted to speaking about sexual abuse to talking about my alcoholism to talking about recovery and going to the depths of healing with Christ. And it's only 100 pages. And at the end of every chapter, there's discussion questions. So I know people have used it as a book study before. And really, my whole goal for that book was just that when somebody reads it, and they close the book, and they say, okay, I want to get honest about my life or, okay, I want to finally tell my secrets or, okay, I want to grow in intimacy with Christ. So I liken it to that small scoop of ice cream that just gives you a taste for something more. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. So it's like a, a little bit of a Catholic uh, scoop of vanilla or whatever your particular flavor <laughs> might be. I think that is super. Well, now you mentioned your YouTube videos and people probably like, what? She's on YouTube. So let's talk about new media. Cause like I mentioned, you're one groovy nun on Twitter, but you also host a podcast. You've done, um, you know, YouTube and uh, various forms of new media. You've really embraced it in many ways. So how do you see our new media and digital evangelization as a, a tool for the future of the church? Well, I mean, tools are just like anything else. They can be used for good or for ill. Mm -hmm. And I think that I know Bishop Robert Barron talks about this a lot. And, you know, Fulton Sheen was really the forerunner of this movement of Catholics using new media. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in his age, that was TV. And now for us, it's Internet, it's YouTube, it's Twitter, it's Instagram. It's, it's promoting the gospel through new media. And so we can take this tool and use it for the proclamation of the gospel. And I, you know, remember many years ago setting up a, a website for the sisters. I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, I have a YouTube channel, which I haven't uploaded anything in a long time, but other people have just uploaded videos from different talks I've given and stuff. But a few 
like we can't not engage society. We, we can't. We must bring the gospel truth to society in all those different areas. And we can't shy away from that. So I really do believe in that. I love what Bishop Barron is doing. I love what different media companies are doing. It's just amazing. It's really beautiful. Right. Yeah. And so um, how does that how does how does that digital part of what you do, the digital mission that you're serving, how does that balance with, you know, the very physical kind of um, serving people, you know, in the mission field and those kinds of things that you do where you're, you're physically present and really meeting people in person and offering them the gift of yourself, as you so beautifully described. What, what kind of balance do you see between those two things in your life? Any goodness, any goodness, truth, and beauty always comes from a personal encounter with Christ. So for every, whatever we do, it has to be centered in our encounter with Jesus Christ. So that's my whole thing. I, I, I feel convinced that if I can't you know, encounter Christ day to day and allow him to permeate my life and pierce my heart and break wide open and give love to the sisters that I live with, and I have no business going out in the world and <laughs> proclaiming a gospel because it has to start at home. And so I think there's a balance. Like I, you know, I have a podcast like like you do. Our podcast is called Abiding Together, and you know, we record that when we can. There's three of us that host that one. We record that when we can, and you know, I I, t- I tweet fairly often and things like that. And then, but when you go out and you see people face to face, I mean, when, no matter what you're producing, you're always producing it to people, people who have a story, people who have a heart, people who have a way of seeing the world. And I. Remember, I was listening to a, a talk by the, a guy, a political speaker who's just very smart and very astute, and he's got probably a half a million followers on Twitter. And he was in a Twitter battle with another guy that he disagreed politically with, and then he invited that guy into his studio. Whoa. And he said, and you could hear that discomfort in his voice. And he said, "I do have to admit," he said, "I it's different looking you in the eye here in my office than going to battle with you in Twitter, you know." Mm-hmm. And so. To always remember that when we, whatever we tweet, whatever we post, whatever we say, it's always reaching real people with real stories, with real hearts, with real souls, people that God loves. I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such an important message for today because, you know, everyone, for the most part, engages in social media on some level. And, you know, whether it's just you have a Facebook account and sometimes get into a gigantic political argument with, you know, the kid who was in your second grade classroom that you happen to be friends with on Facebook. That's, you know, that's the crazy reality of our connections today. But I think it's such an important reminder. And it's one that I've messed up time and again. And I've been on the, the receiving end of, you know, others treating it sort of callously in that way that you forget that the humanity of the other person and the, the, respect that they're owed, you know, due to their humanity. And um, it's just easy to picture, you know, it's just words on a screen, right? Nothing here, you know, but um, I I think that that's, that's the kind of balance that we're all challenged with facing, whether, you know, we use social media for our work or for evangelization or just in our personal lives, just um, remembering that humanity. I think such a great point you make. That's true. And like you said, it's very easy to forget. And it's easy to kind of hide behind words that, you know, are post anonymously and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I just, I I don't know, you know, I'm not a very confrontational person by nature. But when people confront me on Twitter, I don't usually engage it because it's like, what can you say in 140 characters or less? Right. (laughs) That's really going to benefit. So how can you I don't know, like, I'm I'm convicted about that like how do you respond in charity and in truth to people without engaging some sort of hateful discussion and just when you see even some catholic online posting i just want to say hey people like we've got other things to fight about like this is not worth it we're destroying ourselves like we have a whole kingdom of god to bring to earth and we're you know wasting time on some stupid stuff so like how do we as a church you know really turn outward and kind of confront what needs to be confronted versus some of the silly things that, you know, we all do it. We get kind of stuck in these little things. It's like, oh, Lord have mercy. Sure. (laughs) Exactly. I know. And I remember early on in my early days of blogging, it was easy to have your entire day derailed by one stupid comment, you know? And isn't that so true? Oh my gosh. What a waste of time and energy, you know, that I would let Mm -hmm. it disturb me to that level where I feel like I have to respond. I need to research. And then, you know, like Mm -hmm. the person's even, you know, who even knows who that person is and what their motivation is. So, um, I, I think it's such a great point. Yeah. 
that we have to keep these things in check, keep them in balance. And, you know, ultimately, I, I just think of the irony of me sometimes, you know, back in the day, like, wasting so many hours, you know, in communication with this stranger who I wasn't going to convince of anything anyway. And, and meanwhile, you know, ignoring the, the basic people in my life who are like standing next to me, like, hello, what's for dinner? Hello, can you take me to baseball practice? You know, just um, there, there's real irony in that, in paying more attention to somebody behind the screen than you are to the people physically present in your own life. Oh, Amen, Danielle. You've hit on something very deep there that we are so addicted at times to our iPhones and we completely and totally neglect the person in front of us. And because the first, like you said, the person in front of us has needs and they have feelings and they have, they want something from us where as a screen, it can often give us like that hit of dopamine or, you know, mm-hmm. we, where we feel good or I, when I don't want to talk to you anymore, I'll just shut it off. Like if I don't want to text you back, I just won't versus the person in front of you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I- so it does. I, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I was going to say that you're right about that, that kind of casualness about the, the way that we treat people who, I mean, it's a precious gift that somebody's in your life and whatever relationship that you have with them, that they're, they're physically present to you. And that can be so easily lost because of what you said, that dopamine hit, like ding my phone. Okay. I need to go and look at, you know, some stranger or person I barely know liked my comment on Facebook. I need to go and engage in that right now rather than have a real conversation with this real person in my life. Oh, it's, yeah, that is, that is certainly the, the plight of modern society. And I, I think a few months ago I saw on Twitter that Patrick Madrid, I think it was Patrick Madrid that had tweeted out a picture of like in kind of an old picture of like the 1920s of everybody reading magazines. And it said how people ignored each other before social media and it just made me know I just because <laughs> it's true I mean you, but but like there's the reality of now especially where you go to restaurants and you see whole families all on their iPhones not even talking or you go to a playground and the parents are on their iPhones they're not watching the kids in the playground and it just I, it challenges me and I know I have I have boundaries that I set up for social media and how I navigate because it's good for me and I, I can't just I don't let it run free. I, I certainly have certain things that I just where I just choose to put the phone away and be present and it's hard at times, but it's it's for our, my own good and everybody else's. So Right. Absolutely. And I, I think you're very wise to do that. And I think more people should make a habit of setting their own boundaries. I mean, you know, you know, you know yourself and you know what things are your temptations and um I'll do the same thing where I just need to put the phone away, turn it off, put it away in a hard to get place like upstairs or whatever so that I can be fully mm-hmm. present or purposely like mm-hmm. when we're going into a restaurant or doing something as a family, leave it in the car. Nobody's going to die. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. <laughs> right. For, but we have that feeling like, no, I can't leave my phone. You know, what do you think people used to do? Like, it's so, it's, so it's, it's important to kind of challenge those underlying assumptions that we sometimes have yeah um okay well moving on i want to um talk a little bit about females and body image because this is a large part of what i i've heard you engage in about uh before but also i think theology the body has such beautiful things to say to women and i hear from women all the time as i'm sure you do too in the kind of work you're doing who really struggle with this it is such it it it's a it's a scourge on our modern society that we have everything and yet so many women in particular um of course men aren't immune to it but women in particular are walking around just wounded loathing themselves hurting themselves in various ways because of it what's been your experience with that and what remedy do you think the church offers Oh, that's a great question. Yes. My heart aches for women today. And I I see it in myself just because I'm a nun doesn't mean I'm immune to those same challenges, those same areas where I need truth spoken into my life. And I think for me, one of the things that helped heal that wound was the theology of the body, because what you learn there is that, say, for example, women, you know, every men and women are a revelation of God. We're made in the image and likeness of God. So we reveal something of God to the world. Our bodies are sacramental. They reveal that God wants to make a gift of himself to us. And for women, especially we reveal, you know, the receptivity and the grace and the beauty of God. So God has written into every woman, the truth that we are beautiful body and soul. That That's just a truth. And I, 
it's interesting how this now the standards of beauty of what society imposes has changed over the years. Like if you go look at art, if you go to an art museum, you'd look at the women and by our standards they're over way overweight, but that's for them that was beautiful, right? Right. Right. And I think that to really challenge in women to challenge our thoughts in that of because that's a place where we're often attacked uh where we're often made fun of where we often um you know just experience a lot of shame and i think especially if we've been sexually abused if we've had areas of deep brokenness in our sexuality where we just hate being feminine we hate our bodies and and god is really calling us and he's so kind oh and he just comes and he speaks mercy and beauty and truth. And women are so beautiful. We're just so beautiful and just who we are. It's our essence. Beauty and receptivity is our essence. Mm-hmm. And so I think that to really uh, understand when we're – especially image, like society is so image conscious today. Right. To really – and it's it's easy to forget, to, but to remember that, you know, the images that we see at the grocery store on magazines, those are all photoshopped. Nobody looks like that. And, you know, just the, the standard that we're being imposed upon is largely by a, sta- a fashion industry that wants to make money off of us. And I'm not – and I'm not saying there's any – I'm not saying there's any – wrong with fashion or makeup or anything like that but I think that we have to be mindful to understand like what you know what is authentic beauty versus what is something that's trying to put me in a category that that I'm not Mm -hmm. and that takes I think a lot of introspection and and light of the Holy Spirit in, in our hearts as women Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so true. I think, you know, you mentioning the fashion industry or the makeup industry and, you know, it does, if you stop and think about it, (laughs) it's so obvious. Like this is an industry that makes money off of making me feel like I'm not good enough yet. You know, that I don't have the thing yet. I haven't bought the product. I'm not wearing the dress. I'm not, you know, whatever it is that, they're, that's how they make their money. They're not making money if they tell people, hey, you're awesome as you are. Look how beautiful you are. You know, mm-hmm. Nobody's going to buy their stuff. So it's, you know, I think we need to remind ourselves of that because I can know that, but then I'm still vulnerable to it, you know, just walking, all, see, yeah. seeing an mm-hmm. image or comparing yourself in some way or seeing an unfortunate view of myself in, in a mirror or something where I'm like, whoa, what's that? You know, um, it, it can be, it can be really tough and really challenging in a world that's sort of obsessed with physical perfection and, um, in the media culture that inundates us with it. What would be your, your advice? Cause I know a lot of the, a lot of the listeners at Girlfriends here are, are moms and moms of girls in particular. What would be your advice to, to moms in, how they can speak to their daughters about this, how they can help them to know their dignity and their worth and their true beauty in, in a world that's so so conscious of um, something that's just merely the physical. I, I think there's two areas. Um, first and foremost, that we start speaking to our daughters as young as when they're babies, speaking the blessing over them, that you are beautiful. God made you strong. You are brave. You are courageous. You are a daughter of the King. This is who you are. This is our identity. And, and that we're helping girl, we're telling them the truth. We're speaking to them, not just of a physical appearance, but who they are in their essence mm-hmm. and the, the great destiny that God. So if, if we speak that truth over our daughters, over the, the women that we're mentoring, reminding them of the truth, we all need to be reminded of the truth. Um, can I just say real quick, I just saw Wonder Woman. Yes. I was going to ask <laughs> I, you about Wonder Woman. That's my yes. next little note to myself, okay. so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't wait to formulate this more, but it just – I loved it. And one of the things that I noticed was that what, before she went into battle, she would proclaim her identity. Mm-hmm. And she would say – she'd pick up her sword and she'd say, I am Diana, daughter of so-and-so. I am princess. And she would give – her whole and like amen girl you know she's speaking out who she is i love that i love that the women in that movie were unapologetically strong mm-hmm. they were not skinny like you know like society like they're all skinny. they were fit but they were strong and i right. just they're courageous and i think and i tweeted about this i think one of the reasons why i mean i'm 40 and all the girls my age all wanted to be wonder Woman when we were little i mean i don't know about you Yo, but i'm right there with you yeah, sister and, yeah, and it's like, what is that? And I really believe, after watching that movie, I really believe it's because all of us want to be strong and courageous and noble and brave and beautiful in the battle of good over evil. 
That is women is our deepest desire to be noble and courageous and beautiful and true in what is most important. And so I think that when we talk, if we could talk about this to our girls, we can talk about the toxic images. We can talk about what is true. But see, that presupposes, Danielle, that you and I as women know who we are. And my mom, I love my mom. Um, She's such a beautiful woman. I just, she's amazing. And, but I remember being little, her saying to me, Oh, you know, you're so beautiful, but I'm, and she would, you know, point out some imagined flaw. And I remember that. And I think as women, if we're saying to our daughters, you're beautiful, but oh, my thighs are fat, or oh, I'm so this, or you're, mm-hmm. you know, like what? Because the most powerful witness we will ever give is how we live our lives. So do our daughters, do the women that we mentor see us, albeit imperfectly, really striving to live out our, a feminine identity of receptivity and beauty and grace and courage and love and freedom and strength and bravery. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's right. really twofold. It's parting, reminding of identity, but also you and I must live it out ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a great point. So, so beautifully said too, that, um, that really the heart of it is like our kids aren't dumb. They're going to smell a fake from a mile away. If you're telling them that, that they've got dignity and worth inherent in who they are and this, this beautiful woman that God made them to be and you're rejecting that in your very self through your words but yes. maybe also through your actions maybe mm-hmm. you know through they're watching you counting every calorie and refusing to have a bite of birthday cake or whatever it is that that mm-hmm. speaks volumes to our kids and they're not dumb they're going to pick up on what that message is so I think that's such a great reminder to moms of of kids of all different ages and moms of all different backgrounds that such an important, powerful role that we have to play in our daughter's lives. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's incomparable. And I know Leah Darrow is one of my good friends and I know she wrote a Facebook post recently on after having three babies and the way her body has changed. She's a former fashion model, you Mm -hmm. know, right. And just really coming to terms about, you know, versus what society says and how she, I love that she's like, I still, you know, at times are anxious over what I should wear when I speak. And will they look at me and say, Oh, I thought she was a model. And she's like, I, I, my body is different now. I've had three kids. Like I'm a Mm -hmm. mom and, and that's beautiful and that's okay. And I, I was like, Amen, Leah, you know, isn't that, don't we, we get older and our bodies change. And and so often we think that that's all we are because that's what society says. It's taken something beautiful. Our bodies are beautiful, but it's made it the idol. And our bodies are not idols. Our bodies are given to us to glorify God. And yeah, we're called to be stewards. We're called to eat well and to exercise and to stay fit, you know, to the measure that we can. Sure. But ultimately our bodies and our souls are given for us to glorify God, to, to do the works that he's asked us to do. And and that's a beautiful thing. Our bodies are beautiful. They're so good and they're so beautiful. And, you know, it's hard for us as women, I think, to kind of live in that, especially in an image conscious society. I think you're so right. And the point about motherhood, I think, is spot on. I'm so proud of Leah for coming to that place and, yes. and making those observations. I felt that same way, too. I remember thinking early on, I don't know how many babies in, I've had eight, but I think it probably was like two or three in and where I started, you know, really feeling like, oh, I'm not, you know, I remember getting on the scale and being like, I weigh the same, but everything's in different places, you know, <laughs> like, so it was, yeah. it was really hard to come to terms with that. But I remembered at the time reflecting on the thought that our, how messed up is our culture that our ideal for a mom, a mom who's had kids, um, you know, however many kids that are ideal for her is to get back to that place where she looks like she's never had a child, you know, which is crazy. Right. That, it's, really, it's, it's crazy. really a denial of our motherhood. And I'm not saying <laughs> that you shouldn't be fit after pregnancy and whatever. And, but I'm saying that we need to adjust our expectations a little bit, like looking like a 14 year old girl, you know, like super thin and you know what the fashion models do look like, what, what that ideal is. That's that's not actually real, you know, the the real ideal of femininity where I feel like the real ideal of femininity, whether you're a mother or not, is in nurturing life and bringing forth mm-hmm. life. And that doesn't look like a stick figure. Sorry, it doesn't. <laughs> it looks like a, a, a beautiful, bountiful, um, womanly body. And so that's going to look very different. And I think the more we can appreciate those kinds of strengths, like you know, I, I always encourage women when they're talking to me, especially moms about, you know, struggles with body image that they, maybe you need to just focus on what an amazing thing your body is, like what a gift it is yes. to 
to bring forth new life, to nurture somebody, to love somebody, to use your voice to soothe them or your arms to hug them, your lap to, to comfort them, that it's a beautiful gift. And the more we can focus on those strengths, that's why I love that you mentioned Wonder Woman, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. better off we're all going to be and the better we'll represent that authentic message to others. It is true, and, and that's what a woman does. I mean, St. John Paul II calls us experts in relationship, and a woman gathers. Mm-hmm. She gathers and she brings life in and, and so many different ways, whether that's spiritually or physically, and just the way her body is made, like you're saying. She's rounded and soft and curved, and we bring people into us. You know, mm-hmm. isn't not one of the most precious images that you will ever see is a mother holding her child to her breast, you know? Right, right. Um, and where the where the refuge, this, the broken and the and the lost can find refuge in her heart. I mean that that's Our Lady. That's who she is. She brings all of us into her heart, into her Son. And, and so yeah, it's not it's it, we it's just certainly skewed and and just all the different qualities of what supposedly is supposed to be a woman. But you know her receptivity and her intelligence and her bravery and courage and strength. Those are all incredibly incredibly beautiful gifts from God that He gives us. Absolutely. And and I love that you mentioned Our Lady because we do need to mention Our Lady, especially in light of Wonder Woman. She's the Wonder yes. Woman. <laughs> and I, I love to think about because strength is absolutely a part of what she represents, that beautiful feminine strength and crushing the head of the serpent. Um, she knows a thing or two about going into battle and the triumph of love over evil. So what, maybe quickly before we have to wrap up here, sister, you could share a little bit about um, your relationship with Mary and um, where you're at. Because a lot of people have complicated relationships with Mary and they, they sort of evolve over time in our faith lives. And that's certainly what's happened to me. And I just, you know, I'd always seen Our Lady as kind of a distant figure, kind of a maybe one-dimensional or two-dimensional figure that I could never relate to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she seemed perfect, and I am clearly am not. And, and it just kind of, it just stirred up a lot of feminine struggles within me. I could never relate to her. And then you join religious life, and you're supposed to be like her. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, good luck with that. Religious <laughs> <laughs> life, I just, one day, I just, I just, you know, got on my knees before a just beautiful statue of Our Lady, and I just, I had to be honest with her, and I said, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I need to know you. I can't take this anymore. Like, I, I need to know you as a mother. I need to, you need to heal my, my mother wounds. I need you to show me what it means to be beautiful. Show me what it means to be a spiritual mother. Show me what it means to be married to your son, because I don't know. I need to know you. And that prayer, which I've made many times since then, has absolutely changed how I see her. Because I think we have this idea as Catholics of holiness somehow being so far away or somehow inhuman. Mm -hmm. And to be holy means to be whole and integrated. And so if you look at Jesus and Mary, their lives are fully alive, so they're fully kind. And they're fully compassionate and fully tender, fully just, fully merciful, fully. So they're the fullness of it. It's not, like I said before, it's not a truncation of humanity. It's it's the full revelation of it. And so I think for her, she draws close to us to draw us to her son. That's that's what she desires. And she desires to mother us. And I don't know if you saw it, but a few weeks ago on social media, there was a beautiful Peruvian image of Mary and Jesus. And Jesus was just nestled on her back. Yes. And just this cute little smile on his face. And I said, that's where I want to live. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I just, I want to live right there. And like, mom, I just, this morning I was praying that mom, you know, bring me to your chest, bring me to your breast, these areas of, that need to be healed of, of beauty, of humility, of obedience, of all these areas that I'm healing as a woman, please. I, you know, and so she, oh, she loves us. Oh, she loves us. And she just desires to just lay us on her heart and to heal us. And she just wants to caress us. Yeah. So I think to make, if, if just make an honest prayer to her and, and speak to her as you would. And if you have issues, speak them out. She already knows them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to yeah, shock you know? her. <laughs> no. She's mother yeah. of all the world. So, um, yeah, she's seen it all. <laughs> and she's, she's mother to much worse sinners than than you. You know, if you're sitting there thinking, I can't go to Mary, you know, she's seen it all. She knows it all. So such a great and boy. she is uh, fierce and courageous and she looks suffering in the face and she chooses love and that she's a warrior. That woman is a warrior and she's certainly a warrior for our times and we need her. Absolutely. Great. Great spot to end on. Our time is up here, sister, but I just want to 
thank you. I'm going to um, link to all of your, your information, all of your social media accounts and um, your book, Loved As I Am, and your podcast, AbidingTogetherPodcast.com. I'm going to link those up in the show notes at DanielleBean.com. I just want to say thank you, sister, for being here with me today, for taking the time to share so beautifully from your heart the gifts that God has given you. Oh, it's been an honor to be with you. Thank you so much, Danielle. And God bless you for all you do. You're a warrior also. So. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> a rock star and warrior. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, this has been a conversation I've looked forward to for a long time, and it did not disappoint. So thank you so much, sister, and God bless you and all you do. I told you she was great, and I'm so grateful to Sister Miriam James for coming on the show and sharing with us like that. So now on to a little bit of feedback. I heard from a bunch of you this week about different exercise programs um, and the different creative ways that you're getting movement in your days. I love it. I I love that you're responding to that particular topic because it's something that I care a lot about and have been interested in for a while now. And I love that other people are also interested in looking for creative ways to kind of add movement to your day. So I think that's great. One in particular that I wanted to share was from listener Catherine who sent me an email she says firstly you rock I've written to you before well thank you Catherine you're awesome too Um, she said anyway I loved your podcast on movement it's been a primary focus for me and is indeed my sanity combined with prayer as you'll see pictured um, she sent me a picture my rosary hanging from my bike my friends laugh as I coined the word priding to encompass my riding and praying priding the bike ha but here's a small view into my bike desk this is how I get tons done and felt uh, I wanted to share as you shared about your awesome treadmill desk maybe it'll give some other women an even simpler idea to use their own furniture if possible um then she goes on I'm not going to read it because she's super super sweet and complimentary to me and anyway thank you Catherine you are awesome and she shared this picture of her bike which is like you know a stationary bike um and she has it hooked up kind of on a little like a bureau desk thing (laughs) somehow connected I think to or maybe it's not even connected maybe it's just right up against it so that she can sit on the bike and pedal and have a laptop on top of this little desk thing Um, it's really cool and she has her rosary hanging right there I love it I'm going to put this picture or a link to this picture in the show notes for this episode um, number 78 uh, at daniellebean.com so you can check out that picture and if you have a creative way that you are moving through your days at work or at home I'd love to hear from you and see a picture too so you can send me an email at danielle at daniellebean.com Hey Danielle this is Kristen Fontana and I just listened to your podcast on de-stressing and I really appreciated it and it came at a very good time because I uh, we are getting ready to go on a big trip and I'm pretty stressed getting ready for it And I'm also seven weeks pregnant, so I'm just starting to feel really, really exhausted and just not feeling well. And uh, so it's just making me stressed even more because I'm not getting as much done. And um, So I just really appreciated getting to listen to your podcast to remember the things that I needed to do to de-stress and feel a little bit better in the midst of the chaos. And... um, I really appreciated the tip on being productive, you know, doing something productive because I started listening to the podcast in the midst of a family wedding that was in town uh, just this past weekend. And it was really nice to hear you say that being productive will help me feel better because we, I wasn't able to be productive this past weekend. And I think that's part of why I was stressing even more. And uh, granted, I was so grateful to be present to our family that was in town and it was such a gift, but I just couldn't get anything done. And that's always hard for me, but especially hard when we have a big trip coming up. So um, yeah, just thank you for naming that. It helped me to feel a little bit better that um, just being able to name that that's probably one of the reasons why my stress level was high was because I couldn't get anything done. So thanks for that gift and um, thank you for all that you do and please pray for us pray for our trip and pray for my pregnancy and if anybody has any tips on how to get through the the first trimester i feel like it's been over it has been over three years since i've been pregnant and i just have 
forgotten what it's like and how to do this and how to do it better. So if anybody had tips, that would be great. Thanks so much. God bless. Oh, Kristen, congratulations on the pregnancy. And I'm happy to hear that you are planning a trip because I think that's great for families, especially in the summertime. I hope it's a, a trip somewhere fun. Um, but I'm sorry that you're struggling with feeling stressed and feeling overwhelmed, um, you know, especially in that first trimester. So hard. It is so hard. I mean, some people have great first trimesters. Um, I always felt like I paid I paid in that first trimester with nausea and exhaustion, and I had great third trimesters <laughs> that other people really suffered in their third trimesters. Um, you know, pregnancy is a hard thing, and you know this because you have other kids, but um, we'll add you to our, our prayer intentions here as part of the Girlfriends community. So listeners, please join me in praying for Kristen and her family, for the success of her upcoming trip, but for her own peace and balance in her life with regard to her own needs and the needs of her family, uh, the needs of her husband and her kids that she already has, but also paying attention to that job of taking care of herself to be sure that her pregnancy is going to go well for her. So God bless you, Kristen. Um, I don't know, are you planning a trip like uh, road trip? Because I was thinking some people um, have been asking for a show about how to do a road trip with kids because a lot of people are doing that this summer and it's a great way um, to have fun and um, bond as a family. We've had some of our best bonding moments on the road as a family. I don't know if you're doing that, but um, maybe you could let me know and others can let me know if they'd be interested in that particular show topic. I could do it in the next couple of weeks here. Um, so God bless you, Kristen. And thank you so much for um, reaching out and saying you appreciated the de-stressing episode because I think we all need that, but it sounds like you especially need that right now. And we're going to be praying for you. God bless you. Before we go, I just want to thank those of you who support the Girlfriends Podcast through Patreon, but especially Kelly, who is our newest supporter at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge as little as a dollar per episode, and that shows your support and your appreciation of what we do here at Girlfriends, and it really does encourage me to continue to produce the show week after week, so that's one small way that you can give back to the show if you appreciate what I do here. And one benefit of being a Patreon supporter in any amount as little as a dollar per episode gets you an invitation to participate in our monthly video chats that I call Girlfriends Live, and I'd love for you to be a part of that. So check out the details at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. Thank you so much for that support. I also want to thank Ascension Press for partnering with me to bring you this podcast each week. You can check out all of their podcasts and other cool videos and other forms of media that will entertain and inspire and educate you about your faith at ascensionpresents.com. And finally, thank you for being here. Thank you for spending this time with me. I know everyone is busy and we all have many things that vie for our time and attention. So it means so much to me that you entrust me with some of your time connecting here in this way at Girlfriends. And until next time, happy 4th of July and I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.